What did it do, y'all? Another week, another new episode of Tech File. We're not even going to hold y'all. We're going to get right on into it. Episode 319 of Technical File, the sports podcast you never knew you needed. And it's your boy, T-I-M-K-I-N-Z, the number three, a.k.a. Ask Catch Me, a.k.a. Mr. Give It To Me. What up, though? I am the Air J. Only known as? The Air J. And I'm Camille Poingard of the crew, the real life Tifa Lockhart, the girl next door. You know, holding it down for all the women who love sports. Not joining us this week is Kay Harris, the gentleman. The gentleman. The everyday gentleman. Uh, 24-7. Listen, you know, this week we had to try to rearrange some schedules with the Bucks playing and everything like that. So we appreciate all of y'all still tuning in here on this Wednesday live as we do this show, releasing on Thursday in the audio platform. We truly appreciate y'all flexibility here with us this week. Put that on your resume, adaptability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen to this. Adaptability (laughs) is definitely on your resume. What Tim said, go ahead, buff up that resume. But uh, some housekeeping before we get into the show itself. Big, big help for us. If you could like, subscribe on our YouTube, hit that notification bell so you can get notified when we go live. Like today, for example, we put out the blast on social media saying that the show is going to be a day late. If you had your YouTube notifications on that little bell, you just got notified that, hey, we live able to join the party. So make sure y'all do that as well. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend about Tech File. And on all the audio platforms where it's possible, please rate us five stars, leave a review. That helps us out a lot. And we're trying to grow, and we don't do that without y'all. So please share. Uh, let's see here. Let's skip the game that needs a name this week, and let's just get right into the meat of things this week. No pun intended with Ken having all the meats on his past week. So this week, y'all, we are going to be diving in, of course, to NBA, NFL, and some wrestling news. We're going to start with the NFL, then we're going to jump to NBA. And for wrestling this week, we are doing a Survivor Series recap because, oh boy, what a show (laughs) we just had this past week. But NFL, Tim, why don't you go ahead and cue us up? All right, so... This week, my question is, can Philly make a repeat performance or a repeat appearance into the Super Bowl? Is Philly the team to beat this year? Currently, they're sitting at 9-1. Basically, a record in the league. It seems like even close games, the Cats just can't get beat, even when they're supposed to. So it just don't earl right, <laughs> and they come out on top. Um... Honestly, I feel like Philly can be beaten. Um, as much as I would love to see a repeat appearance by Jalen Hurts and actually have him get one in the Super Bowl. Um, the three teams behind them, they may have something to say about it. Um, they also have the 
Eagles biggest weakness which is their secondary which last year was one of their biggest strengths but losing a couple cats and coordinators will do that to you um but the Lions San Francisco and Dallas not only do they have a talented passing group they all have a star wide receiver or a top guy who can give you fits mm-hmm. um but I do think Philly has a legit uh shot at repeating to make it to the Super Bowl, um, they have a pitcher for winning close games. Like I said before, they six and one with the one, the Jets being the one and six and one, which I thought that was so random. But, <laughs> but within one run games, they are six and one. So at the moment, yeah, I got them showing up. But I don't know if it's either luck or if it's skill. For example, the Gabriel Davis drop at the end of that game this past week. I mean, that's a it's a good question. The Eagles are. Like you said, they ten and one only lost one game so far this season, which to the Jets of all the teams, but <laughs> it is what it is. I wanted to look at what their upcoming schedule was as well, because one of the things about being the top seed in your conference is that you get that bye week in that first week of the playoffs since they expanded the playoff field. So that's pretty important to help your Super Bowl odds. But the Eagles got the 49ers this week. <laughs> then they have the Cowboys for Sunday night football. Then they have the Seahawks, who are a little bit banged up right now, but the Seahawks have been playing some pretty decent ball. Then they have the Giants, and even though they got uh, was Tommy DeVito, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the celebration. I love it. I love it. I love it. Then they got the, the Cardinals, and then they finish with the Eagles again. So like, or I'm sorry, not the Eagles, the the Giants again. The next so two games, <laughs> tough. Seahawks maybe. Then the last three are like. Mm-hmm. You should be able to get them. The Giants' defense, though, has been playing really well. Yeah, Don't it has. If you think so. <laughs> Eagles' offense is going to be tough to stop, though, and they got that offensive line as well in front of them. But mm-hmm. I mean, yes, the Eagles can repeat. I think before the season, a few of us had the Eagles as that Super Bowl team. It's between them and San Francisco early, where it's like these are two powerhouses. But yeah, Philly definitely could do it. That's what I was going to say. Like, can they? Sure, will they? I guess uh, you pointed out the three teams that I think will be their biggest hurdles coming out of the NFC. Um, but I think the Eagles are a team that knows who they are, like they know their identity, and you know, it's worked out for them, like they've gotten a lot of. A bit of luck along the way, but they're a really good football team. They're sound. They're well coached. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't see why they couldn't. I wouldn't put them as the team to beat in the league, though. I still have the Chiefs, even though they obviously just lost to them. But mm-hmm. I still think the Chiefs are just, you know, neutral site, pristine conditions. Like that offense is. It's still terror. <laughs> and the way that the Eagles celebrated after they beat them kind of tells me that they know that the team to beat is still the defending Super Bowl champions. That's fair. My thing. So, well, you know, disclaimer for all NFL conversations, I'm not that tapped in with NFL. So, <laughs> as the season's gone along, I've kind of been like, I don't even know who the MVP front runners are at this point. Like, I don't know who to point to because, you know, usually you just go quarterback on the best team is probably the guy getting the most pub. But, like, uh, Jalen Hurts, 
his numbers are decent, but not like MVP, you know, dominant. And then Mahomes is Mahomes, but I feel like he's graded against himself at this point. So it's like, you kind of got to show me something to really run away with the field when in reality, he probably should just be MVP every year, like Aaron Rodgers in his prime, where it's like, he cold. <laughs> you know he cold. We kind of need, like, you know, show something different this year. Um, but like, beyond that, I wouldn't even know who to start to have the conversation about within the MVP conversation. So my question to you guys is, who's the MVP? It's a good question because I think what makes this year unique is that I don't want to say it's it's a down year for MVP because that feels weird to say because it's just based on whatever that season was and then you you, you pick that player, right? Unless but this you, season, it feels like no one's stats are jumping off the page of being so far ahead of everyone else where you're like, that's the front runner. And right now I feel like Jalen Hurts is the front runner because he is the quarterback on the best team in the league right now. And there's no disrespect to that. Like, I mean, there's a case to be had for that. So it's like, sure, Jalen Hurts has a case. But I mean, there's also still Patrick Mahomes. We've seen what he's been able to do so far with a subpar wide receiver receiver core. Uh, I would say for what he's had in the past years, Tua, I mean, even Tyreek Hill, Lamar Jackson, I think deserves some consideration as well this year with what he's been doing. Uh, with the Raven to staying healthy so far this season, not going well that that continues. But I think that's what makes this year's MVP race so interesting is that there is no front runner. So it's all about what case you can make. And one that I saw recently, and Tim, I'll be really curious to hear how you feel about this one. It's uh, Dak Prescott. Like everybody is, uh, mm-hmm. I should say everybody, everybody. People are starting to acknowledge that Dak is having a year this year. And I saw Aaron Rodgers mention the fact that. Uh, Dak's been one of his favorite quarterbacks to watch. He's like, he has just complete control of the game right now. What he's doing is beautiful to see. And I was like, man, Dak. So I was, so I was like, ah, I wonder what Tim's going to say about that as our resident cowboy hater. Before we get into him, like, that's high praise coming from Rodgers because that's obviously an offense that he knows well. So he knows what it's supposed to look yeah. like and what it looks like when you really have a control over it. So, yeah, that's high praise. Um, I do have that as part of the MVP conversation. Like, mine is, is like, Hurts, Dak, um, Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill. And it's, I don't know, it's pretty interesting with Dak because over the last, like, he's he's consistent. Dak is a consistent most part. Like, he'll, he'll get you to games where he got 250 to 300 yards because he'll, he'll air that mug out. But then he'll have the games... Like the in between, just but on a regular basis, Dak be letting it fly, right? He'll wreck the yards up throughout the season. But this year, it seems like he's trying to fulfill that promise for that in those interceptions that he made before he started. Um, I think he did say that this is going to be his best year as well, or something along those lines. And the way he's been playing a lot more recently, I won't say all season, but a lot more recently, like it's showing the CD Lamb's numbers. CD Lamb has been just like off the charts over the past like maybe four or five weeks and you can kind of see him in Dak's connection so you can't discount it uh Brandon Cook's coming alive again like being relevant somewhat now in the NFL again like that's kind of wild <laughs> Tony Pollard ain't getting too much talk because Dak Prescott has been the one that's really carrying the offense so it's, it's, I don't know if that's by design 
because of how running backs speak <laughs> or what, but it's more so like, yeah, he deserves to be considered. Well, is he gonna win it? No, hell no, 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 he ain't gonna win that motherfucker. But it's not like he's not in the conversation. He's playing well enough to be, you know, talked about. You, you got that. That's part of the world. Because honestly, unless it's unless something else changes, I got Christian McCaffrey. Honestly, interesting. You you knew the hate was gonna come out eventually, Camille. But he could yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> no hate. No, no hate. What was that? No shot. Dak ain't got no shot. MVP fan. I ain't saying he ain't got no shots in the conversation. See, see, don't be doing that. The media be twisting my words now. I said he had. <laughs> I said when he win that motherfucker, hell no. But does he, is he deserve to be in a conversation? Yeah, he played well enough. Yeah. So what well. is what would Dak have to do in your opinion to be able to be like, you know what? He might actually be able to win this thing. Not a goddamn thing. See. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right by me. <laughs> yeah, if you if you came to me and said like, "Hey, you have to right now in this moment tell me who is going to win MVP in the NFL," I'll be like, "Yo, I don't, I I really don't know," and I really actually don't even feel strongly about it, which is what's so interesting. Like like I said before, normally you have somebody where you're like, "This player here, yes," but this year it feels like it could go Let a few me- different. Let me let me frame it this way. See if this gets you to make a decision. If somebody came and said, "I'm gonna give you a $500 credit in I don't know your gambling app of choice um, to put down on anybody right now," who who would you put your money on? For MVP. and like you can't lose, so it's just really just who you who do you think is most likely to make you some money? Jalen Hurts, best quarterback, best team argument. If I'm trying to make some money, that's where I'm putting my, I'm putting my, my dollars down. I might put mine on Christian, depending on how. Uh, yeah, I might put mine on Christian McCaffrey because they go they go keep that the touchdown streak right back up. Okay, <laughs> Emma, right back up. It's so hard for a non quarterback to win that award at this point. Like you I have think, to have a yeah, to break break some records. Big record. But this yeah. would be the week to do it because they play Philly. Prime time. Well, I don't know if it's prime time, but it's a marquee game of the week. If he shows out this week and they can write that momentum into a player and well through the end of the regular season, like I can see it because you know Purdy. I think they jumped out the window with him early, but then they realized their parachute was a backpack. So, um, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so I think McCaffrey would get the MVP love on San Francisco, but again, like he needs to, you know, have that finishing kick. I tell you what, um, I'm gonna end, this is the last thing I'm gonna say, just because Tim said Dak ain't got, Dak ain't winning. The Cowboys' remaining schedule because they play Thursday night football, so they play the Seahawks tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Then they have the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Commanders. So they actually have a pretty strong schedule to finish the season. And if Dak can keep showing out, putting up these numbers that he's been putting up, and they can keep winning, especially when they get to those games against the Eagles and the Bills and the Dolphins, in the Lions too. To be honest with you, like it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna turn some heads for sure. Mm-hmm. I, speaking of the Lions, at this. man, aren't they a good football team, y'all? 
<laughs> the Motor City Kitties. Listen, Packers <laughs> went, went to Detroit on Thanksgiving. The Motor City Kitties. <laughs> Put a smackdown <laughs> on the Lions. The smacketh of down. They won 29-22. And honestly, the final score made it look closer than what it was because they last touchdown came when the game was far out of hand. I was so impressed on Thanksgiving. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, I just hope y'all don't embarrass me on this holiday uh, where everybody's off work. And they came out with a bang. Like the first play, big, like 53-yard pass from Love to Watson. Little underthrown, but Watson went up and got it. I was like, okay. Okay, Christian, let's start it off on that note. Love had it all going. He was on rhythm. Um, and one thing I've noticed about Jordan Love, and I am so thankful for YouTube University and all of these very smart people who will break down games and footage and film uh, and help you understand it. We talked about it on the show a few weeks ago. I think Eric was bringing it up about Jordan Love, just his, his throwing motions. And what I'm starting to realize, one, Jordan Love has a lot of arm talent. And I think that at times because he has arm talent, he does things where it's like, you didn't have to even throw it this way, bro. You could have just, you could have just gotten it there the way you wanted to. But now he's starting to put these things together in a way where you're like, hey, he's making the easy throws. And then when he's under pressure, he's able to make spectacular throws. There are still times where he makes a pass and I'm like, bro, you had a check down right here. Why did you choose to go all the way across the field to Malik Heath? It was a dot. Don't get me wrong. It was a dot. But you sitting there, you're like, you had A.J. Dillon just right here open with a lead blocker in front of him, bro. But it worked out. It worked out. And the thing that I'm getting from that is just encouragement because it's like, if Jordan Love can continue to develop where he hits the check down, makes the right reads, which you're seeing him doing more often now, to know that he has the arm talent and the ability to make like off script plays when needed is really encouraging to me because that's a skill a lot of guys don't have to be able to make something out of nothing or be able to complete a throw where they have to throw underhand or throw it sidearmed or throw it off the wrong foot or throw it across the field whatever the case may be like it's beautiful to see his development in that way to see the young receivers developing on this Green Bay Packer team to a point where it's like who who's the main who's the main guy on the Packers when it comes to the receiving course like there ain't one we thought it was going to be Watson, and it still could become him at some point. But right now, what it's looking like is a group of guys who are all opportunistic, and they can do what they need to do if the ball is coming their way. To not have Wicks in this game on Thanksgiving, and for Malik Heath, an undrafted wide receiver, to come out and play those Wick snaps and look good during that time, like that is off the chain. So uh, I'm really encouraged. Earlier in the season, we were like, hey, we might have a franchise quarterback here. We know there's going to be some ups and downs throughout the season. But I do honestly think, like, I, I have a large enough sample size to say, like, I think Jordan Love can be a starting quarterback in the league consistently for the Green Bay Packers. And what excites me about him is, like, he's not he's not in peak form yet. Like, he is still growing. So is his offense. And it's encouraging. It's really encouraging. And I really can't wait to see what they look like next year. But this year... Right here, right now, they are actually in the playoff hunt. We kept saying, like, hey, it's a chance. It's a chance. And they were my preseason wildcard NFC, you know, one of my NFC picks. So I hope they make me look smart. Packers, like, make me look real smart. Go ahead and lock that up. But just want to give a shout out to the Packers. Uh, I've, I've been hard on them at times in the season, just calling out what it is. Like, they were inconsistent. They were running the wrong plays. They were looking bad. But 
hey, we got a big Sunday night football game coming up against the Chiefs. It'll be Patrick Mahomes' first time mm-hmm. ever playing in Lambeau, which is really interesting to me. You know, the Chiefs don't come here too often. So it's really cool to see that. I see Serial Sensei is here real quick in the comments. What's up, brother? Appreciate you up? stopping by. Also, shout out to Serial Sensei. He posted us in his uh, Spotify raps. Tech Five was one of his top podcasts of the year. So shout out to you, sir, for being one of our... Oh, he started the raps already? Yeah. Spotify raps are out, fam. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's Right. (laughs) I also want to say before I move on, the Barry Sanders documentary is out. And I watched that over the Thanksgiving weekend holiday. One, Barry Sanders, I've always said, top running back, like cold. This was similar to when I watched that Michael Vick doc where it's like, I forgot how cold Barry Sanders was. And part of it with Barry is because like when Barry was playing, I was little, little, like I was a kid, kid. So like in my mind, I remember what I saw as a kid and I was thinking like maybe my kid brain had overinflated, but no, like he had a mix of agility, of vision, of power, of speed. That is just, you thought you tackled Barry and he was gone. (laughs) Six dudes. Like I, right. I would <laughs> highly <laughs> recommend anybody, if you're a football fan, check out that Barry Sanders documentary because he finally does talk a bit about like why he retired. And the way that they did it in the documentaries was that his sons were the ones who were like, we, we actually don't know. We never asked them. So they sit him down and eventually ask him the question like that, what what really happened here? They wouldn't let me leave. <laughs> <laughs> They're tagging the player. And the last thing I'm going to say, well, it was so funny when we were watching it because he was drafted in the 89 draft. What a great year, 1989, let me just say. Good things happened in 89, uh, like like me. And uh, <laughs> we're watching, the Packers had a number two pick in that draft. If you might have forgotten, and they drafted Tony Mandarich, a tackle who was a big bust. And let me just say the names around him in that first round because don't do it. <laughs> life could have been different. And Barry talked about this, which I was just like, I can't even imagine what that would look like. But the first draft pick in 89 was Troy Aikman, went to Dallas. Green Bay selected Tony Manders, like I mentioned. Detroit picked Barry Sanders. Kansas City picked Derek Thomas. And then Atlanta picked Deion Sanders. Damn. Yeah. That's four Hall of Famers and the guy the Packers pick. <laughs> Man, that's like uh, Milicic around the motherfucking yep. It's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. But it's just one of those, and they talked to Barry like, hey, you know, if you were on a team that, you know, wasn't losing as much, do you think you would have retired? And then he was like, I mean, realistically, only a couple places I could have gone. He's like, so like, I could have ended up in Green Bay. He's like, which would have been really interesting to be able to play like with far assuming that everything that happened after continued to happen to play well, with I wonder far. I do wonder and not to say he wasn't cold like on natural grass but I do wonder how much of because I feel like a lot of his signature runs were at home in the dome where it's kind of like a faster feel because you're just you know it was astroturf which I don't know how they were just playing on like glorified carpet on top of it. Like, that's fucking <laughs> crazy still hurt but I do wonder if you know like him having to be in the natural grass of Green Bay like if that changes anything I doubt it but just man he was cooking us on our field too when he came so I think he would have figured it out Mm -hmm. pretty highlight with him just 
just disrespecting Packers. Barry was always one of my favorite running backs. Oh, Barry was my favorite running back, but he's always among the groups of running backs. He was always Barry was different, bro. Like he's just he was the he was one of the reasons why I got into the NFL like that. Like, yeah, sure, I, I liked different teams of Barry. I, you know, you latch onto a player typically. Yep. Barry was that player I latched on. I'm like, dude, he's oh, oh, he ain't that big either. He just he run through these lines. It looked like he got trapped in this motherfucking tackle bottle. But damn, he going up the field 60 yards, bro. Turned around three times. <laughs> like Barry was doing some crazy stuff, bro. Like I've always I always wanted to see where he would be if he wasn't on that dog on Detroit team. Yeah. No, I think that's mm-hmm. a lot of people. So um, you in particular, you should definitely watch that document. Like you will love it, Tim. Love it. I was gonna say, like, that's the least surprising news ever. Like Tim liked a small, fast dude that was fifty. Like <laughs> Barry Sanders was built for you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And Kathy's been looking for Barry since Reggie Bush is supposed to be the next one. For you, you mean like your next Barry Sanders, or you mean? I mean the way, you know, the way he was shifting. Go look at Reggie. You think he was? Go look at Reggie Bush highlights in college. No, I remember Reggie college. Bush. Like, I the feel way like he was, Reggie was more like acceleration deceleration, whereas Barry was like. Motherfucker left it. No, that Re- Reggie had helped so many runs. Where he'll start left and then he'll run back right and then he'll just cut the fucking field out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he could slow down on the sideline. Like when you run at full speed, just stop on a damn dime and pick right back up. But if you forgot about the angles he left behind him to get up that start up the field, <laughs> like Barry, uh, Barry and Reggie was probably the two shiftiest running backs I ever seen. Like crazy. Go back and check uh, Reggie's highlights. Dude was Reggie was posted. That's why he's the number two pick. Like they didn't even want to pick a running back that high in, but he could. You couldn't help it. He's supposed to be number one. Just couldn't come to a deal with the Texans. Just, I mean, but you could not help. But take like a talent like this. Yeah, go check him out, bro. Like that's like give him back his Heisman, bro. Fuck what y'all talking about. <laughs> but yeah, you can't wait a minute. And shout out to Barry Sanders for opening up and actually letting us in a little bit on the type of dude he is, which also makes his retirement make so much more sense that he just sent in the fact saying, like, I don't want to play football no more. I'm about to go to London. Bye. It it all it all makes sense. So definitely go check that out and shout out to the Green Bay Packers. Anything else y'all want to get off y'all chest in the NFL before we move on to the NBA here? Uh, I was just going to mention when you said that you hope that the Packers didn't embarrass you on national TV. Um, <laughs> that was the most watched early slate game on Thanksgiving in the history. So I think it was like 33 million or something crazy like that. So, wow. yeah, they, they would have embarrassed you in front of a bunch of people, but instead it was Detroit. So, And instead, Fox just embarrassed themselves by... Not giving oh. my boy a turkey leg when he won on freaking Thanksgiving. Man, Greg Olson digging his hand in there like he the dude from uh, what was the fuck that scary movie? Like damn, <laughs> your strong hand, make fuck your strong hand, bro. Get him out of our turkey. <laughs> and they're just digging through it. Then they gave Jack Harlow the the cheap halftime set. Dude, no, not even just the cheap halftime set. He looked like he didn't want to perform. Jack Harlow performed that. He was bored as hell when he was performing that. I was looking at it. I was like, damn, bro, you don't want to be there at all. Oh, my God. That man saw that set and said, oh, no. Nah. Then later on, I know he saw what Dolly Patton had at uh in Dallas. He probably had to be like, what? Everybody loved Dolly Parton, bro. She's a legend. Man. Yeah. She don't, hey, Dolly do it right. There Jack ain't never going to be a legend with the damn set. <laughs> no Dolly slander over here. All right. Let's move into 
the NBA. Uh, I'll actually start, and then I'm gonna kick it to Eric, and then Tim. We gonna go reverse tech, tech, tech whatever. So <laughs> the NBA's end season tournament group play has wrapped up now, uh, and one thing that's been really interesting mm. to me about the group play shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks with four and on group play one group B in the East number one seed in the East um some players have been complaining about the whole point differential aspect of <laughs> the tournament as you know one of the unwritten rules in the NBA is you know when you up big games out of reach you you don't score you just kind of let the clock dribble out and if you don't do that tempers tend to flare but with this end season tournament uh, point differential is one of the tiebreakers here. So teams are encouraged to run it right on up. And some guys have had a problem with that. DeMar DeRozan actually got ejected at the end of the Bulls-Raptors game because he was so upset that they were still scoring. Play <laughs> defense, my guy. That, he, got mad. Stop him. he got ejected. And then you would hear from, like, Josh Hart, Donovan Mitchell – Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they all had various comments about how they feel like running up the score messes with the integrity of the game, like you got to respect your opponent, so on and so forth, which was so fascinating because then Boston turned right on around and played hack drumming when they was up like 29 going into the fourth quarter. And it's like, I know y'all talking point differential, but did y'all point differential have to be even that large? Like y'all sitting here doing some extreme things and you got the coaches apologize on the sidelines to one another. Like, I was just like watching, like, wow. You then have the uh, Warriors Kings game, which was cracking. Heading into the game, the Warriors had to win by 12 or more for them to advance to the knockout round of the NBA Cup tournament. Meanwhile, the Kings had to just not lose by more than 12 or win the game. And the Warriors were up big. Like, they were up by 24, and they ended up blowing that lead and losing mm. the game. Like, it felt like playoff intensity in the fourth quarter of this random game out. in November. And I was like, this is exactly why the NBA looked to do what it did with this tournament. And I can't wait as this coming week comes up where we have the knockout rounds and the, you know, the home team's market, mm. and then we move to Vegas. So... The Bucks have the Knicks on Tuesday. I hope they win because I really want to see the Bucks in Vegas. Like that will be fun. But I say this, I want to just quickly say about the point differential thing. Get over it. Mm. All right. It's about getting buckets. I understand, respect, so on and so forth. And y'all can do that every other game. But when them courts are wild <laughs> and they solid colors and y'all wearing them different jerseys, go and get some buckets. And if you got a problem with that on the other side, stop them from scoring said buckets. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's because like it's so ingrained, like it's it's an adjustment period for the players, which I let me back up. I totally agree with you. I think that where it's coming from is because it's so ingrained that, you know. You up big, you kind of take your foot off the gas. You don't embarrass people because it's a brotherhood. It's the NBA, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's funny that DeMar DeRozan was the one that got ejected because um, Jeff T told the story about, like, when Lance went and scored the layup at the end of the game, P.J. Tucker and DeMar DeRozan got real mad um, and were ready to fight. And it's like, I get it. Like, nobody wants to be embarrassed. So it's kind of like a mutual kind of, like, 
hey, we wave the white flag. It's over. We done. Like, you don't, you know, let us breathe or whatever. But it's like, that can still be the rule. <laughs> the other, what, 78 games of the season or whatever it is. When, like, to your point, when it's, when it's in-season tournament time, like, hey, we try to score as much as possible. We try to limit y'all from scoring as much as possible so we can advance. And it's because, again, like when you have group play, like there are only so many tiebreakers that you can really use. So the first one is head-to-head. second one is then the, the point differential because like, you only play four other teams. So it's only so many ways that you can differentiate between, you know, first, you know, differentiate ties. So I get it. But also, it's a new thing. It's different. And I thought that they kind of like bitch proofed <laughs> the rules but like they still found a way to bitch about it so whatever like it, it's been an overwhelming success for me so like if this is the only criticism that people have for it so be it it's yeah. fine they'll get over it definitely feel the same way about that definitely feel the same and one thing that's really cool about the tournament as well is just the fact that the teams that are in it like it's 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 going like of course I'm sure the NBA was hoping that the Warriors <laughs> could get in there you know but uh, the teams that got in there is going to present a really interesting viewing experience for some folks because like Pacers are in here and it's kind of like how many people mm-hmm. expected to be watching Pacers you know on the big screen or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. so the matchups in the East you have. The Bucks and the Knicks, like I mentioned, and then you have the Pacers and the Celtics. Ooh, that might be a good game. It's going to be a great game. Like, yeah. And then the West quarterfinals, you have the Lakers and the Suns, and then the Kings and the Pelicans. That should be fun. Kings Pelicans are going to score a ton of points. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. I thought the Indian and the Boston game should be interesting. <clears throat> you got the one like the, the highest scoring team in the league versus the what the best defense in the league right now? Up there. It's been between them and uh Orlando offseason. Yeah, man, like I, I think we get some good matchups. Uh hopefully the Bucks don't overlook their opponents. Um trying to get to get back to avenge one of their two losses. Um, or looking to avenge two losses that they have with one of the opponents. You get what I'm trying to say. They've lost to both the Pacers and the Celtics, so I can see them being like, oh, yeah, we don't get them. And it's like, yeah, you know, don't overlook the Knicks because you barely escaped right. that one. Um, but if we're doing predictions, I predicted the Bucks and the Suns as the NBA Finals. So if they be in the finals of the end season tournament, I'm taking that as a win. That's yeah. Hey, this would be the time that we could catch the Bucks and the Lakers. Right. I'm also rooting for that too. Hey, let me I'm gonna see if I can actually pull up the the chart for those who are on YouTube just so we can do a quick prediction on like who's gonna actually make it to the championship round here for the end season tournament. Um I can't while I'm pulling I, oh, go ahead. I easily see like LeBron making it his personal mission to be like, I'm gonna be the first one. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be us. And like it kind of legitimizes it too. Like, not that any other team winning it doesn't, but it's like, oh man, you know, like LeBron 
LeBron did it. So like now in subsequent years, people are gonna try to do it. And that might what? be like the trophy that gets that finally gets named after LeBron, like the in season <laughs> tournament MVP or some shit. So not if the Bucks have anything to do with <laughs> it. But no, here goes. So here's the, the, the bracket itself for the upcoming in season tournament. I mentioned the matchups already, so let's start in the West. Lakers, Suns, who y'all got? Uh, I'll take the Lakers. Despite what I just said, the Suns. Suns are playing really good right now. Like, really good. No, like, ever since Booker got back. I'm, I'm going to go with the Suns as well. I got a shout out. Headband, point guard, Devin Booker has been out here hooping. So I'm going to go <laughs> with the Suns on that one. Lakers just got embarrassed. I don't know what's going on with them right now. Ken's not here for me to ask insight. Uh, Sacramento and New Orleans, who y'all got? The Kings. Yeah, let me get the light the bing. <laughs> let me go ahead and get them, them them Pelicans. Let me let me go ahead and go New Orleans. I'm I'm gonna be uh against the grain here. Milwaukee and New York. Bucks and one. Mm. That's the only one they got. Right. It's a clean sweep, I'm assuming. Pacers and and Celtics. I'm going to go with Indiana. I'm not mad at that. I'm going to go with Boston because I I just want the matchup. Mm -hmm. What's cool about the end season tournament, too, to some, maybe not to others, is you're going to see some people going to get the same team five times in the year now because they're playing these extra matchups against each other. So, like, we're going to see the Knicks five times this year. And if they win, then they'll see the winner of the other game five times five times because they yep. play each other i can't talk about it, but they play each other teams four times as well don't match up in the playoffs oh good lord oh, man this, bro. i'm like bro, i'm tired of seeing these kids that's the thing with this tournament too because what creates rivalries when you're seeing the same teams over and over and over again so it's one of those things like i think this can also be good come playoff time if the same teams have to keep bumping heads with each other yeah that's fair. All right, semifinals. We can stay in the East real quick and bounce back to West. Bucks and Pacers. Milwaukee. <laughs> Y'all going all the way Milwaukee to the championship? Yeah, Milwaukee. Hey, I'm with it. On the West side, who y'all got making it to the championship? Phoenix. Mm, Same. Actually, actually, yes. I, I do think I have a, a Milwaukee Phoenix championship in Vegas myself. And again, Bucks and one. <laughs> <laughs> the only one. Well, shout out to the NBA for the NBA Cup. I think it's interesting, and I really can't wait to see it unfold more next year. Or next I'm curious to see what they do with the courts uh, in Vegas. Yeah. And if we get like a different court cup, uh, if we get a different court for the actual championship game. I feel like we will. Like a neutral court that's just like a... Yeah, like the... The... Was it the quarter... No, we're in the quarterfinals now, so the semifinals. Mm-hmm. The semifinals have like one court, and then the finals has its own court too. Like that'll be cool. Like since they're trying to make it different, like actually go all out. Yeah, I miss Vegas. Like, be ostentatious. I'll be with it. I'll be with it. All right, one team that didn't make it into the you know the knockout rounds here for the end season tournament happens to be the Orlando Magic, but they hooping regardless. Big hooping. Uh, yeah, they're currently third in the East, just behind Boston and Milwaukee, like everybody predicted, right? <laughs> right. 
Uh, no, like that. Orlando has been like I in the preseason. I was like, keep an eye on Orlando because they finished last regular season pretty well. Like after starting the season like 10, 20 games under five hundred, like they actually finished out the season playing about five hundred ball. Um, and like you saw positive things from Paolo and Franz. Um, they got Jonathan Isaac back. Jalen Suggs is taking a leap. Um, should they've even been without Wendell Carter and Markel folks for most of the season. And they're still, like I said, neck and neck with Boston for best defense in the league. Like they are tough. Um, they play hard. Suggs is like a maniac on defense. <laughs> um, Joe Ingles is doing Joe Ingles things. Can uh, I just say, Joe Ingles and Mo Wagner on the same court together just seems like it should be a fight. <laughs> Zach Lowe said that on his podcast. Uh, like, it really, word word. It's like, the, when the Bucks were playing him, I was like, oh, I forgot Giannis, Giannis don't like Mo. Uh, and I saw Joe Ingles, and he was just talking and talking and talking. Mm. But, like, they know Joe now, so for them, they're probably, all right, cool. But I, was, I forgot how much Giannis does not like Mo Wagner. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've been super impressed with them. Jamal Mosley's doing an amazing job. He's from Milwaukee, so shout out. Oh, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to necessarily finish at the 3C, but I think that they're a solid playoff team. Um, and going forward, like, if we're looking years down the road, like, I think Oklahoma City is probably the only team that have like as a clear like they have a brighter future but aside from that I think it's Orlando because you know for all the talk about tanking and how it doesn't work and blah 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 it's like this is what you tank for so that you can accumulate a bunch of young dudes that you draft high that can kind of develop together and then hopefully you hit on like three or four of them and if you're lucky it's like five or six of them you take in like reclamation projects like Wendell Carter, Markel Fultz Again, let them grow in a low-stress environment together, you know, fit the pieces around, like have them develop their games to play with one another. And then at some point, like they kind of take a leap. Like they honestly, like they don't have a Giannis type talent, but they remind me of the early Jason Kidd Bucks, where it's like, it's a bunch of young, long dudes that are athletic as hell, that can defend. they're exciting. Like, Paolo is good. Like, Paolo, I think, is a future all-star. Franz has a future all-star potential. Um, so, it's not to say that they can't reach, like, the top levels of talent. But I – so, I don't – I don't want to put it on them. But I do see, like, things that remind me of those early bucks. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely a team to watch. And I think – I was going to suggest it for next week, maybe the week after, just taking a look at the league where everything stands because like taking a look at the standings is kind of surprising like Timberwolves are first in the West and it's like wait what the Timberwolves like they, they really clicking like that like if you haven't been watching watching it's like wait what's going on for them to be one so we'll definitely have to dig into that but Orlando's another good team to highlight about just how well they've been playing so far early on in this season a team that some people have some debates over how well they've been playing in this season is the Milwaukee Bucks. And I know, Tim, you wanted to talk a little bit more about how they've been playing in some close games. Mr. I love close games that make my heart feel like they're about to explode out my chest. I do. Take Sunday, for example. 
That was great. I mean, Tuesday, for example, that was great. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> loved, loved every minute of it. Uh, hell, last week Friday, loved it. <laughs> loved it. So, shit, loved it. I was talking to my cousin. Uh, shout out to cousin Brian. Um, we was watching the game and chopping it up on Friday, and he's with y'all. He was. He does not like all of these close games, and he absolutely hates the fact that we're not blowing out the weaker teams. <laughs> I won't say absolutely hate the fact, but he feels like we should be blowing out the weaker teams and does not like that we're in close games. Here's what I said. Here's my thought after wrapping everything up. I got a couple bullet points real quick, so bear with me. Um, one, establishes the hierarchy on who's the go-to in what situations. A lot of our early games have been able to... All right, let me hit the bullet points first. Establish the hierarchy on who's the go-to in what situations. Now come back around. Coaches learn what players are built for the situation to get help them hone their coaching adjustments in high-pressure situations. Mm-hmm. Teams learn how to work together under pressure, and they get comfortable in these situations. They've lived in them, so it's natural to them. It's kind of like Bane, and you merely adapt to the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me but blinded. We're in these games and in these situations to where we get to the playoffs and we get to these points where it's natural. It's going to be, oh, we've been here. Oh, we know where to go. We know what adjustments we want to make. We know what plays we want to call. We know what uh, lineups we want to look at. Last point, Dame is showing us exactly why we traded for him. That's a fact. We've had so many close games this year, and in almost all of them, he's been the catalyst for why we've closed it out. He's got the key free throws. He buckets, even if he shot like shit most of the game, he's in there with 17, 18 free throws. <laughs> it's like he's supplementing what he's not doing field goal wise with free throws, but they're closing free throws because they're coming halfway, midway through the fourth quarter to the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah, somebody else may hit a bucket or two towards the end. Chris Middleton, last game, great. He was hot. And I was, I was explaining to Sam yesterday because he was watching the game. I was like, Chris is hot. I was like, but just because you're hot don't mean you have to score. Uh, he's making the right reads. He's making a decent play. Like he's making the right plays. He's the extra pass. He's hitting the actual key shot that we may need in this moment. Like he's talking on defense. He's calling out the switch. Like he's in a zone right now. Can I like, add so, real quick? Go ahead. Because the Miami game was one of the first times you really saw that level of communication between those mm-hmm. guys. And I think that that's another uh, milestone of development for this group of guys working together, learning how to play together because – Adrian Griffin was going to drop a play for Dame because Dame was hot. And Chris mm-hmm. Perry, Giannis was like, hey, no, we actually need to go to Chris right now in this moment. And Giannis was even using himself like, I'm just kind of decoy. I'm going to take Bam over here and I'm going to let yeah. y'all run this action over here. Like they're finally starting to talk and it, it's it's coming together. And to your point about close games, like I think it's a good thing that these team, the team's able to win in the clutch because we've seen the Bucks in years past get these big leads up lose them and then losing the clutch that's the story of the playoffs last year against miami mm-hmm. and it's the fact that again we're learning who and what's because if chris chris has been gone for example so last year when chris is gone we're not closing these games out something happens we fumbling it in a way things like yes we have Giannis. he's an absolutely fantastic superstar but Giannis gets happy sometimes <laughs> he starts throwing the ball all over the goddamn place so i grab motherfuckers randomly following them for no reason like come on relax you have to have the steadying hand with Chris. You have to have the steadying hand with Dame. So now we have two. So last night was a perfect example of, like you said, even though Dame was hot, I even was like, dude, give it to Chris. I was like, because Chris will find Dame anyways if he don't. Like, right now, the way that they're playing, the way they're talking, they're going to be all right. 
But this, I feel like it's come from them having these close-ass games, especially early. Dame, people felt like Griff was uh, struggling early. Dame was struggling early. You have the decision of losing uh, Drew Holiday. He over there cooking with Boston and everything like that. So these high-pressure games, like, damn, we ain't blowing nobody out. We look like we struggling to win these games, but we're winning them. And we've seen the reasons and the catalyst for winning these close-ass games. So as we get, as the season goes along, it ain't going to be nothing to who they're going to want to divert their attention to or want to get a ball to or figure things out because we've been, again, we've been molded by it. <laughs> I think that the reps in the clutch are good. The results in the clutch have been out of this world good. The fact that they've consistently played down to their opponents to be in a position where they need to be clutch is concerning. <laughs> like yesterday, I even tweeted out, like the Bucks started strong, which is atypical for this season. It's like, this squad. <laughs> that, you know, it, it's not it, like during the Bud era, like I think that especially those first two seasons, like they would just boat race teams like out the gate and then coast. And they didn't get those reps in the clutch. They didn't have any experience. Um, they didn't have any experience with things getting tough and teams being able to take away what they need in the spots where they needed them. Like it was just kind of like, oh, we up thirty. Like it, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. You know, like the, each possession means a little bit less. But like when you have instances where you're down 15 with five minutes to go and you still find a way to win that's because like every possession has to matter and you have to figure out like there's no margin for error anymore problem is like you squandered away your margin for error. That's, that's why it's not there so again like it, it is so much like how you choose to look at things um again that's something i tweeted out earlier this week like i'm kind of over all the all the conversation on Bucks Twitter right now because it's like everybody sees what they want to see at this point. Like people are kind of entrenched on their two sides and they're not like you're not going to convince anybody that Adrian Griffin's a good coach if he if they don't already think that he's you know has the potential to be a good coach and vice versa. Like it's a toxic environment at the moment. So I'm just just live and let live, agree to disagree, or just agree to ignore each other. <laughs> you know, because, like, every little piece of information that comes out, it's like, oh, what does this mean? Oh, what does this mean? Like, even the thing about Adrian Griffin, you know, deferring to Giannis when he said give the ball to Chris, it's like, some people can look at that like, oh, that's good collaboration with your players, good communication, that's problem-solving, blah, blah, blah. Or you could be like, what well, this man coach? And, like, not stop letting the players tell him what to do. And all You know, it, you can look at anything from, from two different vantage points and see what you want to see from these situations. So, like, I'm personally on the side where it's kind of concerning that you need clutch time to beat Washington and you had to make a 26-point comeback at home against Portland. But they won the games and they did what they needed to do. And it does seem like they're a much better fourth-quarter team than a first-quarter team. And one of the best fourth quarter teams in the league, if not the yeah. best. I believe they are net rating wise the best fourth quarter team in the league. I'm right. pretty sure I just saw that the Knicks are second. And to your point about you can take it any way you want to, we can and we can move on because we got to get to Survivor Series. But I, it's a situation where more than one thing is true, right? I don't even think it's like you have to pick a side. I think it's it's fine to be concerned about their defense because they have shown things that are concerning about their defense. 
but I think you can also look at what they do in the clutch and see like ah, I see how this team can work I can see how this can come in handy come playoff time when the situations you know are more dire and it's about more one possession at a time it's it's a long season we still got some time to, to go and again if we're still having the same conversations in January February then it's like a big problem big red flag we shouldn't still be having miscommunications at this point like that has to stop very soon because it's very clear where you're seeing and it's like someone's telling someone to switch and then someone just doesn't go or someone's over helping off of a shooter because they don't trust what they see in front of them and it's like you have to stick or if it's in the scramble people aren't scrambling into the right position and scramble defense can be hard because you have to talk and you have to be aware you have to make your decisions so quickly so like I think more than one thing can be true. I do think their defense has been concerning. I do think that on offense, they've shown things that are like, ah, I see why we did this here. Like, this can be very, very good. But a question that I do have is around personnel, if they have the proper personnel come playoff time uh, to make this work. So it'll be an interesting trade deadline, but we could talk about the Bucks for quite some time. I'm going to try to move on. I just want to get one hot takeoff real quick. I figured out Dane time. It's because he don't try like the first 40 minutes of the game and then he's fresher than everybody. I, don't I wouldn't say that. Let me hit the fourth quarter in the shot like forty times already. Right. I'm not talking about his shooting. Like shooting it. Like yeah, he get up for shooting. Is everywhere else? That man do not be hustling. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Let's Ooh, get I'm it. just saying like that. That's what let's I'm saying. Let's get a two Survivor Series, man. Um. A great card, a five-match card for Survivor Series this past week for WWE, the premium live event, one of the big four, the traditional big fours here. The card was pretty good. Team Bianca won the Women's War Games. Gunther defeated The Miz for the IC, retained the IC title. Santos Escobar defeated Dragon Lee. Rhea Ripley defeated Zoe Stark. And then Team Cody won the Men's War Games. And, of course, the, the, the biggest news of them all from the evening, CM Punk made his nearly decade-long return to the WWE. And instead of just going through like, hey, what was your favorite part? I saw that WWE tweeted out a couple of questions for folks about the, ho- or about not the holiday, about the pay-per-view. And I wanted to ask y'all, just because I figured we'd be able to cover the card pretty much in its entirety this way. And then I'll end it with a clip I got from Ken, which is his overall thoughts from Survivor Series. So first question, what was the biggest OMG moment of the night for y'all? Mm, uh, it was fun for me. Um, like I had been watching the thing on my phone. Um, we got to the end, like they, you know, they had the go home happy moment and everybody celebrating in the ring. And like, I had already diverted my attention a little bit. Like I was playing uh, MLB The Show, um, which I downloaded for $10. Like that was fun. Uh, um, <laughs> but I was playing it and I'm like, I heard the static. I'm like, wait, <laughs> these—they actually did it. So like that, like the pop, crazy that Chicago get. Like they had, they had to do it for that alone. Like that's the moments that wrestling is made for. Like when people just become completely unglued from one singular action. Like you know when they say like people were like hanging from the rafters, they were that excited. Like it literally looked like that when they did like the wide shot of the Allstate Arena or wherever they were. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's one of the biggest OMG moments of the last decade, I would say, easily. That's a fact. 
I really thought it was over. It had the little thing, the copyright in the corner. And I was watching to see like, is Randy Orton going to RKO Jay? I was looking at the ring the entire time. Like <laughs> I, see, I saw the copyright thing come up. I was like, oh, maybe he's not, but I was still watching. Maybe we get one last sneak RKO in. And then when CM Punk music came on, I was just like, wait, I, I yelled like, what? And my husband was like, no, nah, no way. They really did it. And like, I actually got off the couch like, what? And when he finally came out and you saw him, I was like, yo, this is really, ha like, he's really bad. Yeah, that was, you know, it's kind of crazy because one, all the rumors and stuff like that, but it's been rumored for years and years and he was on Talking Smack or he was, was it Talking Smack? Yep. He was, oh, yeah. him. And he was on, he was on there for a minute. So then like him coming back when they was like, oh, well, CM Punk is back, but then they only use him in the talking capacity. Everybody, for me, it was like, okay, we probably won't see him wrestle anymore. You know what I mean? Like, if the best y'all gonna do is bring him back in the talking capacity, I'm good. <laughs> I don't want to be no special guest ref, no GM, no nothing like that. If he ain't hopping in the ring, so for him to actually be back, and it looks like he'll be wrestling, wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was dope, but I still kind of saved my reservation. So everybody else may be like, oh my god, I was kind of like. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's see what happens. That's it was cool. just like that's been like such a toxic relationship for so long. It's, it's not even necessarily like everybody eventually comes back, but like that was one of the ones where it's like, oh, that that bridge is burnt, and maybe yeah, it is. Gone. It's leaving. Vince being gone is, is a difference maker. Uh, Tim, what was your biggest OMG moment of the night? Uh, Eo Sky dropping. Trash out the sky, bro. That <laughs> she put the damn trash can on her head and jumped off the cage. I was like, no, it ain't flying trash, bro. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that's a I crazy wasn't something like that. No, that was mine too because I know myself. If you would have put a trash can over my head while I'm standing on top of the cage, I would have fell backwards, like off the other way because, like. That's just what's gonna happen. My, I'm, I'm not coordinated in that no. way. That was a crazy. It was either that one for me or the RK off the top of the cage when they threw JD off and JD flew through the air like uh, Lois from Family Guy when she jumped off the stage. Or yeah, the stage. Yeah. That's how she looked in the air. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably my o OMG moment. All right, best entrance of the night. Jay. James. I had Jay too. Seeing the whole first of all, I don't know how he got on top of that cage. And second of all, seeing him on top of the cage and the whole crowd going up with him. It's just it, the visual is just dope. Dude, that shit is going to hit like crack at WrestleMania. Yep. It's just me, who's <laughs> Yeet. Yeet. That's still crazy to me. For um, selfish reasons, I'm hoping it's night two. But Right. Well, I'm uh I have Judgment Day actually. Like, I like their brooding. They kind of like, they really embrace like that dark, like, we're gonna come in with the gangbuster style, get the mask on and shit like that. Like, I like the big shoulder pads. <laughs> like, I really thought it was smooth as a bug, even though, like, I don't really, like, I don't have an issue with Judgment Day, but I don't fuck with them, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, so for them to have been my pick, I was kind of like, oh. Okay. Well, no, I, I did. I thought their interest was pretty cool. Jay was number two. I didn't know what the fuck that had going on with the shoulder things and the, the clouds on his shoulder and shit. The, the big gold puffs. I don't know what the fuck that was. About. <laughs> it was art. Art. 
I, I, well, I won't know nothing about that one. <laughs> Match <laughs> of the night. Match of the night. Uh, for me, it was the women's war games. Ditto. Uh, started the card off right, and I felt like it was just the perfect level of excitement, even before everyone got in the ring. And then when everyone did get in the ring, it was pure chaos. I love the storytelling with like Becky and Charlotte. I just like it was. I just love that match. Yeah, they they showed out on that one. They they definitely stole the show, and it was the first match of the night. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy Gunther. Like I just always enjoy his matches. Like they're always hard hitting. And for him to pull that type of match out of the Miz is important, is impressive. Um, and like those are probably the two greatest intercontinental champions of the of this century. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I, I enjoyed that. Um, and it looks like they're gonna run it back because they continued to feud on Monday. So I'm here for it because, like you said, like I hope that I hope actually the Miz does get it back so he can get that record of most IC title reigns uh, in history. So I think that'd be dope. I was actually like I had a rooting interest, not a rooting interest, but like their promo work was so good to me. Like some people weren't into this at all, and mm-hmm. I get it. But like I'm a low key Miz fan. I think that he's really good on the mic, always entertaining to me, and I loved uh, Miz and Misses. So I'm 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 all in. Uh, on the Miz, MVP of the night, Tim. Who was your MVP of Survivor Series? Uh, the dude that got like voices in his head. Jack um, <laughs> <laughs> Randy. Right. Uh, they talked to him. They understand. Uh, Randy Orton was my MVP because boy, where the storytelling was going, they was getting their asses cooked in that. <laughs> they was getting smoked in that motherfucker, bro. So for Randy to come in. Had the big spot right away with uh, Dom with the snap uh, suplex. And then turn around and had the hanging DDT to have the, uh, the whole squad do a hanging TD, DDT that was to tough. them throwing him, uh, JD, off the cage to him. Yeah. Like, hey, feeding him to the Sharks, bro. Here you go, bro. Like, Raymond changed the whole thing. Granted, yes, that's what he was supposed to do. He was making his big return. Uh, but at the same time, for that to have been the main event, the main match for him to come in and have his cape on like a mug, I thought it, he should have got the MVP for it. No, I feel you on that. His and entrance, that, I think part of what was so cool with it too was that Rhea had came out to cash in for Damien right before Randy's music hit. So you were like, oh, shoot, what is this about to be? And then here come Randy. <laughs> Randy. Um, yeah, no, and like before the pay per view, that's what we were talking about. It's kind of like war games can really shield you, or like you know, like it can protect you. Like he didn't have to come in right away and work like a, a twenty minute pay per view match. Like he came in, got his shit off, and left like with minimal bumps, and like it was a successful night. He came back big as hell. Like he looked like Randy Gordon ate Randy Orton. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I was texting Sam that too. I was like, yo, he's huge. And she was like, is he? I said, he's as big as Drew McIntyre, fam. And she was like, oh, shoot. He is as big as Drew McIntyre. Like, I've never seen, like, Randy Orton is huge. And then on Raw, they mentioned that he put on so much weight to have just extra protection for his back and whatnot. And I was like, I mean, sure, I guess that makes sense. But he, I'm just like, the man just looks impressive right now in this moment. Good to see him back. It was, it's really good to see Randy back wrestling again. Eric, who was your MVP of the night? The Chicago crowd. Ooh, like that's a good were, one. 
they were on fire from jump like they and that that was that's been some of my problems with some of these hotter crowds that they, they don't typically give the women their due um but from that first the opening bell like they were hot for all the entrances all the high spots like they showed appropriate respect to every match like they were invested in all of them um and then obviously the pop for punk at the end like they they did their job no that's a fact that's a good one i didn't even think about that one mm-hmm. Me neither. all right tim i know you gotta depart from us sir I do. I'm gonna ask you real quick before you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna come back to my MVP. Who was your best return of the night? CM Punk. Okay. Like, I, yeah. I, <laughs> no, I no, it, was, it was Punk. Okay, I just want to say, but have a good evening, sir. All right, y'all. I want to let y'all folks. Uh, don't forget, say prayers, brush your teeth. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> this man. All right, y'all. So my MVP of the night was Triple H because I don't know how this man pulled this all off. Like just the direction, how things have been going. We've talked about Triple H being in control and what that looks like for uh, the company. But him keeping the CM Punk return a secret where even talent didn't realize that he was coming back until like shortly before the man came out. I was like, this man Triple H is doing his job. And when that paper, I'm still so used to saying pay-per-view, when that PLE ended, I knew the press conference was coming up and normally Triple H ends the press conference. And I said, no, sir, you come to the front of the classroom. I need to hear from you right now in this moment, sir. So I was also happy he kicked off the press conference. And the way he did that was also genius because he didn't even really bring up CM Punk. He knew that would be the questions that are asked in the audience. And he used his time to highlight everything else to make sure he covered every. I was like, just... Just bravo with Triple H. Like the man does his job well, and I'm just I'm just happy for him. And like the thing is, it was a successful night even before the punk part. Like if, if it had just gone off the air how it looked like it was going to, like it still would have been a hell of a night. You got a Randy Orton return, you got a R Truth return. <laughs> you know, like you had two great war games matches. It was a hell of a night, even before that. So Obviously, like, that was the icing on the cake. But, yeah, like, he's been knocking it out the park the entire time. Like, you know, people kind of try to second-guess some of the things. And it's kind of like, at this point, he's he's earned the benefit of the doubt. Like, I think, you know, some people can. Might disagree. But I think even, like, the decision with Roman and Cody at Mania, like, it seems to have been, you know, like, we still have to get the payoff. But I think that mm-hmm. everything that we've gotten up until this point has been, like, you know, it's shown that it's been the right decision because, like, you had a hell of a few with Brock Lesnar, which has kind of made Cody, and he's mm-hmm. hotter now than he was even going into Mania. So, yeah, Triple H, Triple H is killing it right now. And it's like <laughs> late era Vince was a man rapidly approaching 80. Um, he lost his fastball a little bit. Like, he, he created all of this. So, like, regardless of how I feel about Vince McMahon, like he's the GOAT at all of this. And Triple H learned at his knee for the last 30 years. So like he's taking what he's learned from Vince and putting his own spin on it and being more current with the product and more open-minded to trying different things. And it's like, it's the best of both worlds, honestly. 
I cannot disagree with any point that you just made there. I definitely co-signed for that. Uh, Tim said his best return tonight was CM Punk. That was mine as well. I had a slash Randy Orton as well. Uh, Randy was my answer until CM Punk came out, and I just had to go with that. But shout out to them, and I know your uh, return shout out. We, we we cover everybody, so who is yours, Eric? And really, I just wanted to say it was Punk, but like I wanted to say this just for the sake of giving him a mention. Like, aren't true. You don't realize how much you miss him until he's not around, and then he comes yeah. back. And it's like he's goofy as hell. It never makes sense, but like his comedic timing is always impeccable. Like he always makes shit fun. Like though, there were times where I didn't get it, but like now, probably like the last six to eight years, like it's kind of like I get it now. He has a perfect place on the card. Like it's not like he you're expecting him to be a world champion or anything like that. Right. Like just to come in and light up the room and make things, you know, more fun and entertaining. Like he took that Ruffles segment, which is clearly just a commercial, but he made it hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, so. He also made made Jay Uso's entrance even better. I think it was WWE who posted their version of his intro. And so you see Jay and then they pan over to the crowd and then you see R-Truth in the crowd doing the, the arm movements too and he looks at the camera like uh uh yeah I'm here and then it just pans back out and I was like R-Truth is, is gold like yeah. he just is he's fine though alright so as I mentioned to start those were all the questions we have for Survivor Series and Ken can move off of wrestling or you got you gonna play Ken oh, Ken sent me a, a voice memo some okay. of his Survivor Series thoughts. So I want to make sure that Ken... Yeah, let's do that, and then I just have a wrap-up wrap question for you. Perfect. All right. So Ken sent in a voice memo. I think it's about, like, three minutes long or so. And I thought it would be funny, because, you know, like, on TV shows and stuff, when someone's calling in, they have, like, their little picture up. So I was like... <laughs> I was going to use the picture of him holding up them sausages at Lambo, but I said I'm not <laughs> going to do my boy like that. So if you're watching on YouTube, it's going to be a little graphic up as well. Uh, while Ken is speaking. So here were some of Ken's thoughts from Survivor Series uh, this past week. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, K. Harris, the gentleman, the everyday gentleman. Unfortunately, I'm not recording tonight, but I did want to give my two cents on Survivor Series. Survivor Series was a very entertaining pay-per-view um i went into it not really um with high expectations or anything like that just wanted to watch you know some good wrestling um and just be entertained um and i was very i definitely was entertained um i definitely feel like the stars of the pay-per-view was definitely all the women in the war games match eo sky shout out to her um big thanks the spot where she jumped off the cage with the uh, trash can over her head was super dope. And everybody put everything on the line, man. So it was that match was like super entertaining. Um, and I'm definitely like happy with that. Um, the man's um, the man's war games match was actually it was pretty good to see Randy and uh, Randy Orton back. Randy Orton is like like he came back like huge. So it was dope to see him. It's crazy that he's been, he hasn't been around for what almost a year, year and a half or something like that. 18 months. So it was dope to see him back. So that match was pretty good. 
But I do want to shout out The Miz. The Miz did a great job um, against Gunther. He, I, I didn't, ex- I want to say I forgot how good Miz can really be in the ring. So that kind of just kind of like reminded me. And I think it reminded others like, Miz is that dude. Like he can do his thing in the ring. So I definitely want to give him a shout out. Um, but, you know, everyone is talking about the return of CM Punk. Um, CM Punk. Don't like the guy. Um, <laughs> oh, not the memo cutting off. Come on, Apple. <laughs> Let my boy cook. He's about to start getting... Round for others like, is, is that dude? Like, Hold CM on, Punk. Here we go. Don't like the guy. Um, I could care less about CM Punk. Fuck him. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, everyone, I, know, I understand why everyone's so excited, why everyone's like so happy and stuff like that. And I'm not trying to steal no one's joy, no one's thunder, nothing like that. Um, again, I didn't get a chance to really see him with his WWE run. Um, I actually just started watching him when he was with AEW and AEW's trash he's ring, he's slow um I don't know I just like I strongly do not like him like at all and like I really hate CM Punk <laughs> and I stand on that like y'all can be happy all y'all want this man the best in the world I can name 5 to 10 wrestlers <laughs> right now that are better than him and that should be him and all of that but I do love that, you know, he's going to feud with Seth. That makes sense because that's definitely going to be box office. So, but I am excited to see exactly what they are going to do with um, CM Punk. So I do want to see that. Um, am I? Yeah, so we'll see. Y'all know how I ride with Cody and all of that. So, but again, Survivor Series is pretty good. And that's it. There you have it. The man hates CM Punk, and that never ceases to entertain me. Eric, what was your uh, question that you had? Uh, I'll get back to that. Did he record that at work? Like, that was definitely his corporate can voice. Wasn't it? He was was enunciating every syllable. Like, (laughs) you were talking about me. Right. He talked about you, Cole Switching. That man was recording for his job. I heard everything. If you didn't say fuck him, I would have been I would have been convinced. <laughs> um actually my question is the last thing that he brought up. Like where do we go from here with Punk? Like what what do you want to see either short term or long term? Like what what's your what's your vision there? Gotta see the Rollins match. Um I love how I love the business when it's done right. Right? Where you can take something that has a kernel of truth in it. And then you can make it into a storyline. Now, there are times where them lines get blurred so much where you're like, I don't really know where this is. But seeing how people who don't watch wrestling regularly react to the video clips they've seen of Seth Rollins' reaction, I'm like, oh yeah, WWE has box office match right here in their hands with CM Punk and Seth Rollins. Like when I saw it on Sports Center, I was like, oh yeah, like. And people in the comments were like, I don't know if this is real. And some be like, this is absolutely real. And it's like, no, this is a work. And I was like, when it's that when that is happening, you already know like you have something that you need to continue to pursue here. So definitely want to see the Seth Rollins. Uh, I would be curious to see just some old story like 
with, with Cody. Like, let's see some Cody action there as well. I mean, you could really see him. Punk has a personality type where there are a few guys where I could see, I could see a, a storyline happening. But Seth Rollins is the one where I have to see this. Yeah, and I know both of them, like they both have a very obvious hole in their resumes, which is main event in WrestleMania. So I think that because now you have two WrestleMania main events, like they actually will probably get that spot. Um, I would imagine, and if like the fact that we could potentially have two different big money storylines, like running hot at the same time, like into WrestleMania 40, like it's it's a big one, like it's a good time to be WWE. And the fact that this kind of came together because of all the shit that happened at AEW, um, you know, is unfortunate for that company, but that's why WWE has needed competition for so long because mm-hmm. like it creates these dream matches that you at various points you don't think that you'll ever get to see. It allows people that might be misused or unhappy in one company to go to the other one and, you know, really spread their wings. Like Swerve Strickland in AEW is doing things that he never would have been able to do in NXT or WWE. So like it's, it's beneficial to everyone around. So, I mean, we talked about a couple months ago where people are like tribal about the companies that they like. It's like, just enjoy it all or, you know, pick what you enjoy, but like, don't denigrate the others. Like it's, Good business for one is good business for everybody. I definitely um, agree. And yeah. you saying AEW reminded me of one more thing I wanted to bring up before we wrap up here. In the press conference Triple H, they asked him about Jade Cargill and where she's been, when she's going to make an appearance. And his comments were interesting to me because what I heard was she needs to develop some more in-ring abilities before we want to roll her out. Because it seems to me as WWE was like, we have a star on our hands. And when we put her out here, we want to make sure that she can she can go with the Beckys, with the Baileys, with the Biancas, with whoever it is in the division that they have. So that's what I heard. I wanted to see if you heard what I heard about Jade Cargill. Like, oh, she can start. We can we can fix the rest. Like, we got the star part. We can fix the rest. I still haven't watched the full comments. Like, I saw a clip of it, so I don't have the full context. But yeah, that's that's. The, without it being shade like it was shade where it's like she ain't learned anything over there <laughs> so we're kind of trying to help her along in that regard like he's very specific to say through no fault of her own mm-hmm. and I ain't got nothing so you know she's in, which I think we talked about that when she signed like there's no reason to kind of rush anything like everybody's like is it main roster is it NXT it's like just let her be in the performance center, like find the perfect spot for it. Like, you know, what you have is going to be big whenever she, you know, her music drops and she comes out for her debut, but you don't have to force anything at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, like again, like when, when she's ready, she's going to hit the ground running. And like, you know, that she at least has a baseline where, you know, it's not going to be, uh, what's that Gable Stevenson or whatever where it's like they had to try to teach him to wrestle and it's like it just didn't work like you know you at least have something so if you can like really polish it up and let her develop into the spot that you need her in like the the, the better that off everybody will be that's a fact all right let's do some quick hits and then get up out of here Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles 70 
nine days ago. Today, the Jets head coach, Robert Salas, said that Rodgers has been cleared for functional football activity. The man's back at practice. His 21-day window is open. It's not saying for sure that he's going to come back and play, but it's the next step in his rehab, which is important to say because no player has ever come back from an Achilles surgery before the five-month mark. And come December 24th, which is, you know, three weeks out, that 21-day window, uh, the Jets play the Commanders, and that's the game that Aaron Rodgers has circled. That's like, this is the game I want to return by. That would be three and a half months. I don't know what type of medical procedure that this man has gotten. That was about to be my question, because the way Ken feels about Punk is where I'm at with Rodgers. So like, I haven't, I haven't sought out any additional information than what, like, crosses my Twitter timeline. Um, so I know he had like a different experimental kind of thing, but like I don't know what the mechanics of it are. Same. But we're going to see because if this is successful, every athlete is going to be like, yo, Aaron, what what did you just do? The man turns 40 this weekend and he's about to be, he's back on a football field there tearing his Achilles on September 11th. Like, what? I mean, the fact that he's been walking without a noticeable limp is... Uh, like that's an accomplishment in and of itself if he's ready to play football in less than a month from now like it's crazy that's crazy like, it'll be like when adrian peterson came back from that acl where it's like we expect you to be out for the whole following season and do it back for what the opening training camp like yeah and here you come all right hey i don't have we've talked about y'all know how i feel about aaron Rodgers. uh listen good luck I just hope that if he is clear to return, that he's going to be able to protect himself because, again, that offensive line, I knew they were bad. I said it when he got injured. I knew they were bad, but I didn't know they were getting him severely injured almost immediately bad, and I don't see much improvement from that line so far this season. So good luck to Aaron if he does come back. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor is set to have surgery on his injured thumb in the coming days, and the team hopes that he can be back in two to three weeks. Charlotte Hornets star guard LaMelo Ball is expected to miss multiple weeks because of a right ankle sprain. Unfortunately, that's the same ankle that he had surgery on last season and limited him to 33 games in the previous season. And LaMelo's been doing LaMelo thing so far this season. The man has been hooping across 15 games this season. He's been averaging a career-high 24.7 points to go along with 8.2 assists, 5.5 rebounds, and 1.4 steals. Both me and Ken have been notorious big LaMelo fans, so hopefully the, the young man heals back quickly and there's no lingering injuries for him. Carolina. Listen, they fired their head coach. Frank Wright is out of there. 1-10 start. It's only season in Carolina. He's out the door. They fire more coaches in Carolina than McDonald's hands out Big Macs on a daily day basis. Like They, they, they be wilding in Carolina when it comes to these coaches. That man got to owe like $80 million or something like that to coaches that, to not coaches. Coach. Hey, <laughs> He's I, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not impatient. I'm just, you know, like, all right. I want to say that the Carolina Panthers organization is what it looks like when teams really do be firing their coaches, when fans be like, get them out of here. Like, it causes you to look kind of crazy when you zoom out and say like, oh, y'all have had five coaches since what, 2018 or whatever the case may be. And like, 
And I may, I may be light. I might be underestimating how many coaches they've had since that time. But and it's it, like, especially in that situation where it's like, okay, who's picking these coaches, or who's picking the people that are picking these coaches? Like, at some point, you kind of have your have to have your own accountability. It's not the coach's fault that the team isn't playing well. It's your fault for putting these people in positions to either build the teams or coach the teams or whatever. Like, you can't just like create scapegoats every time you throw a temper tantrum. Like, have a little bit of self-reflection. Like, refine your process for hiring coaches. Change what you're looking for. Do do something that you actually have control over as opposed to just like, oh, nope, this ain't the guy. Out of here. This ain't the guy. Out of here. Ring the bell on me. It ain't been no five coaches. Three head coaches fired in four years. I don't even close enough. <laughs> Shoot. If you extrapolate <laughs> that over, you know, like that's just since 2020. If he had been there since 2018, it would be five coaches. You know? Police. Uh, I don't give Tim that type of grace. So, yes, ring the bell. Yeah, ring the bell. I get a bell, but, you know, it is what it is. It happens to the best of us. The police in Newport Beach, California, are conducting an active investigation involving allegations that Oklahoma City Thunder guard Josh Giddy was involved in an improper relationship with an underage girl. Right now, it's all allegations, and we have to wait to see if they can confirm that the man was dating an underage girl. The videos were interesting. Uh, they have all been deleted from the internet at this point. The account that posted them is gone. We shall see. I've seen people saying, why ain't he getting the same energy that Ja got? Ja got suspended right away. And I'm like, well, we saw Ja with the gun. Like, we have to make sure that he was with the under... Like, we have to verify her age first beforehand. And that was the thing with me. It's like, if he did what he's accused of, for sure, fucking get him out the league. Or, you know, like, prosecute him. But one, like, just seeing a screenshot of something saying, she's 15, it's like... does. First of all, don't dox the girl if if she is. Like I see people like trying to put her her information out there. It's like let the police and the league and whoever else involved and do their investigation. They'll come to their conclusion and then we'll we'll find out things. But like don't I hate it when the internet plays detective because they're typically wrong. <laughs> so and this is a very sensitive situation where there's a lot of moving parts that can damage a lot of different people. Least of all, Josh Giddy, but like whoever he's involved with, whoever like her family is, all that stuff. Like all that stuff is sensitive. So like, don't go around just like throwing that shit out casually. Like let it be what it is. And like again, like stuff on the internet can be doctored quite easily. So if you just see like a screenshot of a Snapchat that says "I fuck Josh Giddy" or whatever it said, like anybody can put that on any type of picture. You can put, you know, like yeah. there's no way to verify with. Okay, there are ways to verify. The internet usually doesn't have Those the tools ways. with which to verify any of that stuff. I mean, you're just going off of, you know, things that could potentially be fake news or doctored or whatever. So let the professionals do their jobs. Like you don't, we don't need, you know, random Twitter user 87 <laughs> trying to piece together shit. And also sports fans, like don't just blindly support guys because they wear, you know, because they work in the city that you live in. like. The same thing with Miles Bridges, like mm-hmm. Charlie gave him a standing ovation in his first game. Oklahoma City gave Josh Giddy a good reaction in his first game. It's like, you don't let's not do that, please. Yeah. Like not like, saying you gotta boo anybody or whatever. It's just like you don't have to go out of your way to support your guy when they may or may not have 
done something heinous. That's a good point. Last piece we have here in our Quake Hits. The Adelson and Dumont families of the Las Vegas Sands Casino have entered into binding purchase agreements to acquire majority ownership and the right to serve as the governor of the Dallas Mavericks. Now, this news about Mark Cuban selling off a state, uh, a part of the franchise, was really interesting because it came the day after, or very soon thereafter, he announced that he was also leaving Shark Tank, which is entering into its 16th season on air. Mark Cuban is going to maintain a stake in the franchise and he will continue to have control of basketball operations. So, my, we'll see my, how that goes. It seems to me like we're going to get a... I don't a know what's going on. There's, there's something afoot. Like, I'm not sure what it is. There's something going on with Cuban or the team or something. Like It's odd that somebody is so involved and clearly he still wants to be involved because he's still in charge of basketball operations. Like, Maybe it was just a, a quick made a quick way to make a buck, but like on top of leaving Shark Tank, like it kind of feels like he's shifting his focus somewhere. Yeah. Or moving money around. I don't know. Like there's something going on. I don't know. Some just people have wondered, keep your eyes open. No, some people have wondered if he's running for president. And I said, This is is this way our country is going. We're just going to continue. Like we're gonna have celebrity like now that Trump did it. We're gonna have kind of late in the game for him to run in 2024, though. Yeah, I, I would think so myself, but I don't know what two billion dollars can do for you. <laughs> I don't know what it can do for you, so we'll see. You but yeah, I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how that how that shakes out with Dallas. I mean, he's been such a mainstay with that franchise since was it 2000 when he purchased the team. Yeah, like it's gonna it's it's weird to think about the Mavericks without Mark Cuban involvement, but it seems like he's going to still be around. So we'll see how this continues to shake before we get all wind horsed about what does this actually mean? So we'll wrap up here for the day. We appreciate y'all for tuning in. Let's see words of wisdom here. We just got over the Thanksgiving holiday. I don't think I really have much for y'all, man. Just uh, continue living in love. Be nice to people. Wash your hands. Take care of your hygiene. Be nice to people. So I really got to say about that one. And we'll wrap up. Get up out of here. If you want to follow me on social media, you can catch me. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. I guess I'm on <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, uh, Threads, these 2K. First of all, is Threads? I don't know if you, did you ever get Threads on IG? The IG? I did for like a day when it looked like Twitter was going down the tubes and then it didn't, so... There is no chronological timeline on that website. It's just like Instagram where it's algorithmed, and I don't like that. So actually don't catch me on threads at all. But everywhere else at Camille Monet, C-A-M-I-L-L-E-M-O-N-A-E. Um I oh, I forgot to mention the people that Cuban sold to are gross. Um and the NBA is really bringing in some not great characters to their ownership group, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, at Bucks Burner on Twitter. I saw right you there. get. Oops, sorry, try it. Yeah, down on the bottom. Never do this good. There it is. At Bucks okay. Burner, right there. For the show, Tim's not here, but y'all know him at Tim Kins Three T I M K I N Z the number three on all of your social media websites. Ken got to figure out a way to make his the same everywhere, but he's everyday underscore gentleman on Instagram. And I believe he's K Harris 216 on Twitter and Snapchat. 
that's the show this week y'all we appreciate y'all uh we'll be back next week peace